I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation, family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing, with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. This episode contains explicit language. What if they get like on back order, like everyone wants to buy them and then you don't have enough and then you don't have enough paper and all the boxes and the whole thing turns into this big disaster. And then a tornado happens, and the building at the factory gets destroyed. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to come up with the worst possible case scenario, but you know, you gotta be prepared. What if the tornado blows the pasta factory up into the sky, and then it starts raining pasta? Woo-hoo! If that happened, then keep your mouth open. Previously on the Sporkful's Mission Impossible. See, this is this is the roller coaster that I can't handle. This is not the emotional journey in my life I need right now. <laughs> a new shape is born. It's like it's like a centipede carrying a little house. Oh my god, you might have just named the shape Evan. As far as I'm concerned, this is it. We got it. We nailed the shape. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Welcome to the fifth and final part of Mission Impossible, my quest to invent a new pasta shape, actually get it made, and actually sell it. If you haven't heard the first four parts, please listen in order. Okay, let's get into it. Have you ever worked on a really big project for a really long time? Could be something for work, planning a wedding, raising a kid, whatever. There are points where you think, hey, this is actually going well. And other points where you feel like you're so buried in it, you have no idea what's good anymore. When I tried the latest version of my pasta, I thought, we got it. But now, as the calendar turns to 2021, doubts are creeping in. I'm approaching the three-year mark of my quest. Three years of restless nights worrying about a hunk of bronze. Three years testing and eating dozens of pastas, from fancy Italian ones to all the versions of my shape to the leftover bits of mac and cheese at the bottom of the pot. Now it's all dissolving in my mind into a monotextural pasta slurry. This project feels like the test of every food opinion I've ever had. So, did I actually get it right? Is my pasta shape actually done? To answer these questions for sure, I got to hear what other people think of it. So, of course, I start with Evan Kleiman, my pasta fairy godmother and spiritual advisor. There are a couple types of pastas that you see sold in Italy where it's two shapes sold together in the same bag. And I kind of felt like 
that's what I was eating because I would be chewing on the really meaty, curved, belty part. And then my teeth would hit the ruffle, which is half as thick. And it would, instead of feeling meaty, it would feel slithery, which is a good thing in a noodle. And Evan, that combination of different textures coming together in the same bite is the textural phenomenon that we've discussed, which sensory scientists call dynamic contrast. And I could only have dreamed of getting that into my shape. I think the last time you said that to me, I sort of laughed at that idea (laughs) of dynamic contrast. But I could really see that as a great descriptor for this pasta. (laughs) Yes! That's a good start. But before I'm going to believe we're done, I need a lot more feedback. Sfolini is still cranking out test batches of my shape, sending me samples. We're still making small adjustments. So I pack some of those samples in Ziploc bags and ship them out to some of the greatest chefs, recipe writers, and scientists in the world today, all past guests on The Sporkful. They are Sola L. Whaley. Hello. Dory Greenspan. Wow. Christopher Kimball. <laughs> of course. Francis Lamb. I think we're rolling. Claire Saffitz. Hey, Dan, how are you? Jet Tila. Yo, this is really fun. And Bill Nye, the science guy. Greetings, everyone. I've been looking at this shape forever, but it's new to them. What are their first impressions? It was like no other shape. It just stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it almost looks like a, a dried living thing, if that makes any sense. Reminds me of fiddlehead ferns. It reminds me of the traditional scroll shape that woodcarvers put in the end of violas and fiddles. Even a little bit of like a seashell vibe. Probably would most want to eat them with some kind of exotic mollusk. Okay, okay. Next, I ask each tester to give me their quick take on our three metrics. Once more with feeling, forkability. It's very forkable. Really holds on your fork. I think forkability, I'm going to give it a 10. Sauceability. So I was, I'm boiling the pasta and then I have the sauce that I'm making in a skillet right next to it. And I thought that I was like, I have too much sauce in this pan for this amount of pasta. And actually I was surprised because I did not have too much sauce in the skillet. It picked up the sauce so well. More ruffles gives it, uh, I think, a better sauceability. I just love the way it captured the sauce and snuggled it. It holds a phenomenal amount of sauce. And the big one, tooth sinkability. The pasta was so thick, you know, like thick with two C's. I really like how the middle part is a little thicker and it's a little heartier. And then you get the delicate ruffle. Like it gives you more of like a linguine vibe. You get multiple experiences in one pasta. It's a pleasure to chew it. One bite makes you want the next. I think it's perfect. This is incredible. I did not expect people to be so overwhelmingly positive. And what's so exciting to me is that while no one's using the term dynamic contrast, that's exactly what they're describing. Like when you bite into a candy bar, first you pierce the hard chocolate shell, then you sink into something chewy or gooey, then you land on something crunchy. That's dynamic contrast, and you don't typically get it in pasta. I didn't tell the testers to look for that difference in textures, and yet they're all picking up on it. This feedback is so good that I'm getting skeptical. I say to them, don't just be nice. What's wrong with it? There must be something that needs improvement. And some of them do comment on the length. It's like not quite long enough to twirl. I mean, you can't twirl it. And like, there's just also no natural point at which to stab it. 
maybe a little on the short side. I, I, I could have had a little bit more length. Make it a little bit longer. I take Claire and Chris's point about adjusting the length a little. It's never going to be twirlable. It's a short shape. But I decide I'll push Steve to cut it as long as possible. Next, I send samples of the pasta to my parents. I want to get feedback from some non-food professionals. The first one we made, mom just put butter and cheese on it. Reggiano Parmesan. I didn't want to mess up the... That the pasta might hold. The tasting. And then just to try something different, mom opened a jar of jarred... Don't say that on on the air. You can edit this. (laughs) Don't say I opened a jar of tomato sauce, for God's sakes. (laughs) Mom whipped up... (laughs) Very quickly... (laughs) She made some homemade sauce. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I like the aesthetics of the ruffle. It makes it a very interesting looking shape. There's a variety of texture. The ruffle might be a little softer and the center is more dense. Based on all these conversations, it seems like we got tooth sinkability at the max. Still, these are just opinions. To really believe it, I need data. If only there was a way to measure tooth sinkability. It's a texture analyzer. A texture analyzer. It measures the amount of work it takes to bite through five strands of spaghetti. Oh my God, I've heard about this machine. You didn't think I'd forget the texture analyzer, did you? I send my pasta to Professor Frank Manthe from the Pasta Lab in North Dakota. And I send him my version one, the flimsy one. So we have some basis for comparison. Frank also tests a supermarket bow tie as a control. The texture analyzer's unit of measurement is gram centimeters, which involves something in math called integrals, which I don't understand. So we'll just call the result the tooth sinkability score. For our purposes, the higher the score, the more tooth sinkable it is, which is what I want. Frank's supermarket bow tie gets a 164. Next, he shares the score for version one of my pasta, the flimsy stuff. Your version one was 115. Okay, so lower than a supermarket bow tie, which I consider a great insult. But, I mean, deserving is that shape had issues. Now, the tooth sinkability score for my final shape. 194. Yes, that's right. Crushing the bow tie. Yes, that's where we want to be. Again, version one of my shape, 115. Bow tie, 164. My final shape, 194. I'm beginning to suspect the shape might actually be good. Sola has this to say. I think you crushed it. I think you're overthinking it now. Just enjoy the, lay back and enjoy the glory. All right, all right. That is very good (laughs) advice, Sola. You know, I really appreciate you saying that to me because I am the type who would overthink it. And I would just keep thinking, it's not done, it's not done. We must keep trying, we must keep perfecting. I think that you're right. I think that it might be time (laughs) to let it go. I think it's ready for the people. The people need this shape. It's like maybe my top three pasta shapes. Really? And for my husband, he's like sold. He thinks this is the greatest pasta shape of all time. Are you it's serious? His favorite pasta. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. His exact words were, these are fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nearly ready to take Sola's advice and accept that I'm done. But in order for me to truly believe that the shape is great, I got to hear it from someone who's proven time and again that he's not afraid to crush my dreams. The same guy who told me my initial concept wasn't anything special, my next concept was impossible, and that I'd never find a pasta company to work with me. 
Hello? Of course, I'm talking about the die maker, Chris Maldari. Now, what exactly are you asking me? So, well, so first off, I just would love to hear your impressions on the, the pasta shape. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah, I, first of all, I, I, I was totally confused when you sent me the sample. I didn't realize you were making it short. I thought you were making it long. We were. We, we switched to short basically because the long became uh, impractical. It, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting shape, that's for sure. It's It sucked in the sauce, you know, incredibly well. At first, I thought that you were going to have some trouble with the ripples falling off because the ripples would cook first. And, the, and to get the rest of it to be not crunchy, I thought there would be a difference. But I really didn't see much breakage in that, you know, anything falling off. When you bite them, when you, when you bite into these, not only are you getting tooth sinkability, but it is a juicy factor to it, right? Which is which is you know very satisfying. So, Chris, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tick through my three metrics for shapes. First up, forkability. Uh, I used a spoon. Okay. <laughs> spoonability, then call it. <laughs> See, it's got a ten for spoonability. <laughs> All right. Next, sauceability. Uh, sauceability is a ten. And finally. Tooth sinkability. It's a, it's also a ten. Wow! Yeah. With this pasta, you, you hit every mark. Wow! I think I'm gonna cry again. Although although I would suggest a spoon. <laughs> Chris, I gotta say, you know, at times I feel like you have been the one to give me news I didn't really want to hear. Tough love. Right. <laughs> And so to have your approval and to have you say that it's so good, it means a lot. Because I know you wouldn't say it if you didn't believe it. No, no, I, I wouldn't. I take you offline and I tell you the truth. <laughs> but, uh, but no. Uh, I'm sorry I had to, had to go rough on you there for a while, but uh, it made you stronger. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, I'm going to say it. Now we really, really, really have a shape. Coming up, we give our new shape a name. Then I return to Sfolini to watch my creation roll off the presses. Stick around. Ooh, advertisements. Yummy. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in like in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. We have a dog. Her name is Sasha. She's almost four. She's a standard poodle. She's black and fluffy and soft and very adorable. And when we first got her, we took her to like this puppy kindergarten training class. The whole family went and, you know, they're teaching how to use the treats and all this. The trainer watched Sasha for a bit and said, hmm, she's very food motivated. 
And my daughter Emily turned to me and said, she's a Pashman. (laughs) And so she is food motivated, and that's why we make a point of feeding Sasha high-quality pet food. Founded in Hereford, Texas, Merrick has been crafting high-quality dog food for over 30 years. Real is Merrick's recipe, so they always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. Now, let me tell you something. When it's dinner time, Sasha is motivated, okay? She is highly motivated to come in from patrolling the backyard at dinner, to get up off the couch. Whatever she's doing, she will drop it and come running. Check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I feel great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer, Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot sporkful to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com sporkful. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. If you're liking this series, I hope you'll share it on social media. Encourage your friends to check it out. And if you're new to our show, I hope you'll keep listening in the future. To make sure that happens, please connect with us in your podcasting app. You can do it right now while you're listening. In Spotify, follow. In Apple Podcasts, subscribe. In Stitcher, favorite. Thanks. Also, while you're fiddling with your phone, follow me on Instagram, at The Sporkful. I've got photos of the shape up there now, which might help you follow along with what you're about to hear. Okay, let's get back to it. We have a shape, but what should we call it? My favorite pasta names are the Italian words that describe what the shape looks like. So, radiatore, radiators. Orecchiette, little ears. Cavatappi, corkscrews. I want to follow in that tradition. I'm not going to call it the pashmini or the sporktini, some of my friends have suggested. I want it to sound like a classic pasta shape, but I also want it to be easy to pronounce and spell for the average non-Italian-speaking American. When Evan first saw the shape, she said it looked like a centipede or a millipede. The Italian word for millipede is millipiedi. That name's been stuck in my head ever since. It feels whimsical, quirky, but I got to see what other people think. Remember, roughly speaking, we have a main strip, which is curved like a comma, with two ruffles sticking out one side. I send photos of the shape to friends to see what it looks like to them. In response, Kenji Lopez-Alt, chef and friend of the show, sends me this voice memo. To me, it looks like the head of some kind of 
ridged dinosaur, like a Pachycephalosaurus or maybe an Ankylosaurus. Um, one of those dinosaurs, or maybe it's like Godzilla, you know, but some, some dinosaur with ridges on it. I'm pretty sure those first two options fail the easy-to-spell test. And if I call it Godzilla, I'm going to get sued. I send a photo to Justin Warner, a chef and judge on Food Network. There's something a little reptilian about this, especially when you're looking at it with the frills on top. But then I look at it when it's it, the frills are on the bottom. There's something uh, oceanic about it. It looks like a wave or an undercurrent. Justin brings up a good point. The shape looks really different depending on how you hold it. To me, I see the ruffles and it reminds me of one of those 70s tuxedo shirts with the frills down the front. But the Italian word for tuxedo is smoking, like a smoking jacket. Pretty sure I'm going to have a tough time selling a pasta called smoking. I realize there's one person I need to talk to, Samin Nasrat, past guest on The Sporkful, chef, star of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and author of the cookbook by the same name. Samin knows Italian food inside and out. She speaks Italian. And I just know she's the kind of person who will totally nerd out on this with me. I mean, I honestly am jealous that you're the one who's inventing a pasta shape <laughs> and not me. I start off by showing Samin the shape so she knows what we're working with. Ooh, I love it. And she tells me it reminds her of a tire tread. In Italian, that's battistrada. It doesn't really sound like a pasta shape. I tell Samin about Evan's comment that they look like millipedes. Interesting. I'm going to show you a video. That's a millipede walking. Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> <laughs> Although millipede in Italian is such a beautiful word, like mille piedi. Mm. But let's think about, I would like to think about this in the context of other Italian pasta shape names. I'm trying to think if there's any that are named after insects because like, or anything that like somebody might think of as unappetizing. There is vermicelli, which means little worms, but it's no accident that when vermicelli crossed the Atlantic, it was rebranded as angel hair. Now, I know there are a lot of folks around the world who eat insects. I've snacked on some crickets myself, but let's face it, most Americans aren't into that. I throw out another idea. When you put the shape on its side and you put it like a backwards C, it looks a lot like a music clef. Yes. So I looked up the word for clef. Now that word is chiave. Yes, chiave which is a nice word, but it's not four syllables. It's only three, and it feels short. But what about, like, the fact of, like, adding the ini on the end? Chiaverini. Chiaverini is little clefs. Well, that's interesting. Samin and I decide we need input from another Italian speaker. I'm glad I can put my nerd <laughs> nerdery to good use. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is Gofana Putubuele, who's now a former producer on The Sporkful. You heard him calling Garofalo, the Italian pasta company, earlier in this series. But he left our show about a year ago, so he hasn't even seen the shape yet. I show it to him. Wow, you actually did it. And we get to talking about names. We tell GoFan about the clef idea, Chiave or Chiaverini. But instead of any of those, he suggests... Chiave di basso. That means base clef. That's the clef my shape most resembles. But Chiave di basso doesn't have an ini or an eli type ending. And it dawns on me, Chiave starts with a ch. If I go with that, is everyone just going to call it Chiaverini? Yeah, that's the th If you put a yeah. CH, everyone's going to say Chi. Uh, yeah. Except for my Jewish brothers and sisters, we'll call it a Chiaverini. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now tell him about Evan's idea. Oh, okay. So, so Evan, she suggested, imagine these are two creatures that are facing away from us. Okay. Oh, 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 I see. Yeah. The little, they're kind of like little centipedes or something. Oh, he got it. He got it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's exactly what Evan said. And then we looked up that word, which is, as you know. Centopiedi. Right. Then we were like, what about millipiedi? Uh-huh. Which Samin and I agree has a beautiful sound to it. I love the sound. Uh-huh. But do people want a pasta shape named after millipedes? You might think of it as like people just know it as millipiedi. Right? Like farfalle. I don't feel like most people know that that's butterfly. I mean, I guess you're right. Like millipiedi d- is maybe just different enough that like people won't connect the dots. I like it because it's simple. People can say it. They can remember it. It sounds nice in Italian and it sounds good even when pronounced poorly. Yeah. I think you have to make it millipiedi. But millipiedi. I mean, who like, cares I if it's a bug? Yeah. I'm sold. Millipiedi. 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 I'm warming up to it, but I gotta make a final decision ASAP because Fellini has to order boxes for the shape. I decide to talk to some non-food folks, non-Italian speakers, to get more feedback. Five days later, I've completed that process. I get back on Zoom with Samin and Gofan to share my findings. So my first focus group was my family at the dinner table. So here's what happened with that. I'm gonna show you and tell you a one proposed name for my pasta shape, and I want you to tell me your first reaction. Millipiedi. I think it's, I, I mean, I wouldn't really know how to pronounce it, and it sounds a little bit like an insect with many legs. And how do you feel about it sounding like that? Not what I want my pasta to be called. <laughs> <laughs> what do the kids say? Emily? Well, I don't really like millipede because I kind of feel like it's hard to pronounce and it's just not a good pasta name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Tough crowd. All right. Yeah. So, so. Whew. But that was still some a small focus group. Yeah. Tied to you. Tied That's you. right. That's right. So, <laughs> so I, I did a poll on Instagram where okay. I just asked okay. people, tell me your immediate reaction to the idea of millipedes in general. 76% said, ooh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> what was the sample size? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Ooh, then ooh. Um, I went ahead also and reached out to my attorney, James Gregorio, who I should say is an Italian-American who makes his own pasta from scratch. Uh, and I said, James, you know, Millipiedi, is it taken? You know, like, what, what's the deal? And he left me this voicemail. Hey, Dan, it's James. I got your email about uh, your pasta name and trademarking it. Um, let me make sure I understand. So... So after years of thoughtful study and research, you've decided to name your pasta after some disgusting little vermin pest that instills fear, loathing in pretty much everyone. Uh, that, that's, that's brilliant. I'm just wondering whether or not you considered scarafaggio pasta, because, you know, that, that way you could do like a commercial. Hey, now that's a spicy cockroach. Oh, listen, you're the, you're the creative guy. I'm just the attorney. So just a thought. Anyway, <laughs> give me a call back. Or don't. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. <laughs> or don't. Uh, Touche. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess we're not doing Millipiedi. <laughs> 
<laughs> so producer Emma and I went back to the drawing board. We called up the National Pasta Association for help. We went very far down a rabbit hole of Italian words for different types of ruffled sleeves. Then Emma had an idea that I think could work. Okay, okay. What you All got? Right. What you got? What you got? You ready for this? Yeah. Ready. Cascatella or cascatelli. Okay, okay, it okay. Mean, it means waterfall. Ooh, I'm into this. I love like, it. Like, because if you right. flip it over from the shape that it's like the thing, it's a f- waterfall. I love it. For me, it hits. It's good. Now, technically, the correct plural for waterfall is cascatelle with an E at the end. But I think we can take some poetic license. If we end it with an I, cascatelli, sounds more like a pasta name. And it'll increase the chance that I end up in the Twitter feed, Italians Mad at Food, which is one of my low-key goals with all this. I'm into it. Cascatelli. I like that I immediately understand why that's the name. I'm glad to hear you both say that, but I should tell you, I still wanted to hear from one more person. Okay. So I reached out to someone who names things for a living. Her name is Laurel Sutton. She's a linguist by trade, and she co-founded a company called Catchword. They've been around for 20 years, and they name things. So I sent Laurel our shortlist. Out of all of them, I like the last one the best, Cascadelli. It's easy to spell. It's easy to say. It flows really well. It's just a beautiful word. If you know that it's a waterfall, it's also a wonderful visual image. There's a lot built into it. And it's cognate with words like cascade in English. So you do get what it means. Even if you don't really know, you can recognize the root of the word that's in it. I mean, I really, I think it's a great name. I think it's a great name. Cascatelli, my reaction when I, like, when you finished it and we, you know, you said it what it was, I, what I felt was, ah, we made a real pasta. Cascatelli. 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 My lawyer, James, agrees this is a big improvement. He does a trademark search and says I should be clear to use Cascatelli. I file the paperwork to trademark the name and to patent the shape itself, which means I can now say something I've always wanted to say. Patent pending. So we have a name. The boxes are ordered. Sfolini officially puts the first ever run of Cascatelli on their production calendar, February 18th, 2021. That day is fast approaching. And while the shape is basically done, I told you we were still tinkering, right? The last thing about the shape that we have to nail is the exact length. Steve tells me that in his tests, the dough is flowing faster through some parts of the die than others. So some pieces are coming out way too short, like tiny. The die was already sent back to Giovanni Canada, our dye designer in Massachusetts, for alterations. But a week before the big production day, I get a call from Steve at Sfolini. He tells me he's still having issues getting the dough to flow evenly. Yeah, I think, I think the dye needs another adjustment. Please tell me you're joking. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. It's too close to the deadline to be joking. Steve offers to drive the couple of hours to Massachusetts with the dye, wait for Giovanni to fix it, then drive it back to New York. But in the end, Giovanni decides he can mail some parts to Steve that should fix the problem. On February 16th, two days before production, Steve calls with an update. We're in a good spot. You think it's going to be okay? 
That was the least confident yes I think I've ever gotten. <laughs> I'm gonna hone it out a little bit tomorrow myself, and uh, we should be we should be there. So I take a COVID test, pack my bags, and make the three-hour drive up to Svolini. It's been 13 months since my first visit. I put on a hairnet, sanitize my shoes, and enter the factory. And as I walk in, I realize that all the different threads of my journey, all the people, the components I needed, we've all come together in this place today. Is that Steve? What's up, man? Hey, Steve. Good to see you. Ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Oh, here it is. A giant pallet of semolina, Duracoda number one semolina, manufactured by North Dakota Mill, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And finally, I get to see, in person for the first time, the object that's been keeping me up at night for a year. Is this the, is this the die? Yep. This is my die? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I gotta say, I'm feeling the kinds of emotions that you feel like when you look at your kid, when your kid's been really, really irritating. And it's like, you still love them, but at that exact moment, you're like, do you know what you're putting me through? <laughs> First, they have to give the dye a warm water bath to heat it up so the dough flows through it better. Then it's hooked on a crane and raised up into the machine. Go, little dye, you can do it. The dye is in place. The semolina's loaded in. You want to start it? Can I press the button? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm feeling <laughs> excited. I feel like a little giddy. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's start it. You don't want to just keep talking about it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we can. I'd rather make the pasta. All right. All right, I'm pressing the button. Here we go. You ready? Here I go. Three, two, one. Are you, are you sad today? Suddenly, I, I didn't feel sad until just the moment where I pressed the button. It's like, you know, when you have something in your life that is like so all-consuming, it's, it's like when it's over, you don't know what to do with yourself. Pretty soon, the machine is making pasta. It's coming off the conveyor belt. Initial little, this is still the warm up. These pieces don't really appear to have ruffles, but I'm sure we're gonna figure that out. After some adjustments and a few minutes in which Steve seems a little stressed. Oh, it's getting longer and I'm seeing ruffles now. Oh yeah, that's the one, Steve. That looks beautiful. Oh. Steve tells me it's time to make the final decision, the length. I brought along pieces from other sample batches that were the length I like for comparison. We grab a few new pieces as they roll off the conveyor belt. I like them long. I think we should, if you you think the choice is between 10 and 11, Steve, I say we go 10. 10 actually means longer pasta than 11. That number is the speed of the blade that cuts the pieces. The slower the blade spins, the more time the dough has to come out of the die before it gets cut. I go with a lower speed to make a longer pasta. This is it. This is it, it's coming off the conveyor belt. This is the moment. I think I wanna FaceTime with my family. I need Janie and the kids to see this. So the, the flour goes up to here, and then, and then the pasta comes out here, and here's the pasta shape. It should take about six hours to churn out the whole batch of cascatelli. While the machine's running, I meet with Scott in the office to discuss financials. 
We've agreed that when the pasta goes on sale and money starts coming in, we'll each be paid back in relation to our initial investments. The die and all the revisions on it cost me a total of $9,900. What's your total? Right now I'm at $4,338. But then the actual run today is another 8000 So in total, that's uh, about $12,300. So Chris Maldari was right. Mm-hmm. He said twenty to twenty-five thousand, and he was exactly right. Mm-hmm. He's been in, in the business quite a while. He, <laughs> he's, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Our total combined cost twenty-two thousand and change. Now we don't know exactly how much we have to sell to break even because we don't know how many people will use the coupon code or what our shipping costs will be. But Scott estimates that to make our money back, we're going to sell about five thousand five hundred boxes. Initially, we wanted to make about that many. But the thing is, we ended up with fewer. Because of COVID, there are major paper shortages. We were only able to get enough paper for 3,700 boxes. Can you believe it? After all that stress about finding a company that would do a small enough run, we ended up with an even smaller run. If this batch sells out, we'll still be down about 5,000 bucks. My share of that debt will be about 2,000. That's not ideal, but I'm not gonna let it bring me down. The fact that we have a smaller first run makes it more likely we'll sell out quickly and decide to make more. And if we do make more, we should hit the break-even point pretty fast. But before we can sell anything, we got to pack this cascatelli into boxes. The pasta dries overnight, and the next day I come back to Sfolini to watch the packing process. And to observe one final test. The uh, Steve Gonzalez stress test, as I like to call it. Steve leads me into this Sfolini kitchen, where he's cooked up a batch of cascatelli. So pretty much my stress test is to stir it more than you would stir regular pasta. So put it in, and then I, I stir it like once a minute, and then I take it out, stir the shit out of it. So you can see like there's, there's probably like 1%, 2% that's like fraying. It's, it's like holding up pretty well, I think. Yeah. So, so as we stand here in this Fellini test kitchen, Chef Steve, are you hereby telling me that the cascatelli has passed its final test? I think the cascatelli is good to go. Is this as excited as you get, Steve? (laughs) Unfortunately, I think so. (laughs) When I set out on this quest, I talked about how I built my career on my opinions about food. And yet, I've never made anything. I wondered, do I actually know what I'm talking about? Now, I've invented a pasta shape. Cascatelli. I guess the obvious test of whether it's any good is whether people buy it, whether they come back for seconds. If they don't, that will be disappointing. But either way, I've already decided that I love this shape. Honestly, I'm really proud of it. When I get back from Sfolini, I sit with Janie on the couch. The same couch where we had that conversation so long ago about the prospect of paying 20 grand to make my pasta shape. I tell Janie that it ended up being 10 grand, which is still a lot of money. And will be a couple thousand dollars in the hole, even if this first batch sells out. But Janie's perspective on the money part of this, really, on all of it, has changed. You know, it doesn't seem so crazy now that we have like a finished product. <laughs> we like. <laughs> you, you I'll can... take credit for it now. <laughs> <laughs> I believed in you the whole time. I mean, obviously. <laughs> and then. If you if you create a new batch, then you'll start making a profit. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really great. You really had this dream, and I'm proud that you worked really hard and you saw it till the end. And, you know, I'm glad that you did it. 
and you, you know, you tried hard and you, you know, you don't have any regrets. Just like Juan Guzman. Who? Um, never mind. I'll tell you later. If it's not a huge hit and we end up with a thousand boxes of this pasta in our basement, the thing that would make me most sad is not that nobody bought it. It would be more that like eventually we would run out and I w- we wouldn't be able to eat it anymore. That would be sad because it is a really great shape and it would be sad to think that like, you know, there's just this limited supply of it. I think it'll do well. I hope so. Well, I couldn't have done it without you, babe. Thanks. And I'm really glad that you did it. I appreciate it. Me too. So will my pasta shape sell or will I end up with a thousand pounds of it in my basement? We're about to find out because I'm pleased to announce that Cascatelli is on sale now. It's only available at Sfolini.com. That's S-F-O-G-L-I-N-I. The G is silent. It looks like Sfoglini, but it's Sfolini.com. We'll also put the link on my social media and on Sporkful.com. It's $4.99 a box. You can get a four-pack for $17.99. That's a $2 discount. And listen, these Folini guys put a ton of work into this project. They make a lot of fantastic pastas. So get some of their other shapes while you're there. If you spend more than 50 bucks, shipping is free. And use coupon code SPORKFUL to get 15% off your entire order. That coupon code will be valid until May 18th. So go get your pasta. few final items to cover. We had to commit to a cook time on the boxes before we were finished tweaking the shape. Now that we've made more adjustments and run more tests, I think the 15 to 18 minutes it says on the box is too long. If we make more of the pasta, future boxes will say 13 to 17 minutes. Still long. Personally, I like it at 13. You should cook it however you like. I want you to be happy. But if you really want maximum dynamic contrast, stay in that 13 to 15 range. What sauce goes with cascatelli, you ask? Honestly, almost anything. It's great with just butter or olive oil and a little grated Parmesan, but it's especially great with any kind of thick sauce or something where you have big pieces to stab, like shrimp or vegetables. Then you stab a piece of pasta and you get a great bite. My personal favorite, Andrea Wynn's Mapo Tofu Spaghetti Recipe from the New York Times. But with cascatelli, set of spaghetti because, well, you know why. I actually put my mom in charge of testing some other combos. I'll be sharing her favorites on my Instagram in coming weeks. I'll also be sharing photos and videos of the pasta production. You want to be hypnotized by slow-mo video of the pasta coming out of the dye? Follow me on Instagram at TheSporkful. Finally, if you're new to our show and you've enjoyed this series, I hope you'll stick around. Connect with us in your podcasting app. In Spotify, click follow. In Apple Podcasts, subscribe. In Stitcher, favorite. You can do it right now while you're listening. Thanks. And some more thank yous. Special thanks to Evan Kleiman, my pasta fairy godmother and spiritual advisor. Evan hosts the excellent public radio show and podcast, Good Food. Listen on KCRW in LA or get it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much to all of you for listening. And a big thanks to the Sporkful's whole production team and everyone who worked so hard on this series. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producer... Andre Sohero. Our editor is... Tracy Samuelson. Additional editing and production by Jared O'Connell, Daisy Rosario, Gofana Putubuele, and Sandy Gianna Palmer and Abigail Keel. This show is mixed by... Casey Holford. Theme music by... Andrea Christensdottir. 
with additional music help from Black Label Music. Special thanks to Harry Huggins for coming up with the name Mission Impossible, and to Len DeFrancisi at the National Pasta Association, Laurel Sutton at Catchword, Emilia Gambardella, Nina Kayaban, Helen Zaltzman, Bill Nye, Sam Anzarut, Mia Hall, Jonathan Hall, Allison Giordano, Jenny Post, and Matt Gottlieb. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney and Daisy Rosario. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Orion from New York. Remind you to, to, to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.